on this edition of the program, the final moments of Congress. Will anything get done? Spoiler alert, probably not. Also, does Nikki Haley have a path on this edition of PX3? This is made possible by Oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, and Craig. to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for December 20th, 2023. This is our Christmas edition. And if you are watching me on video, I have the hat to prove it. A Santa cap to keep us jolly as we march into this holiday weekend. And with that, a gift. (gasps) A gift. A gift of a poll that came out from CBS News this weekend. Because while I don't know whether or not I am on Santa Claus's naughty or nice list, what I do know is that when it comes to this primary season, it's been a lump of coal, at least in terms of my coin of the realm, which is interesting things happening, news to discuss, so we can then apply that to whether or not these candidates have a fundamentally sound strategy. Uh Uh-uh. Has not happened so far. Until now? Let me read you this CBS poll. This is for New Hampshire. Asa Hutchinson, who is bafflingly still running, despite the fact that he has been irrelevant for months, 1%. Vivek Ramishwamy, 5%. Ron DeSantis, 11%. Chris Christie, 10%. That puts Christie in third in New Hampshire. We'll get back to him in a second. But here's the top line, because it's all that matters. Nikki Haley, 29%. With Donald Trump at 40 Now, that's about Trump's average in New Hampshire, but this is an overperformance from Haley. And one that, if it is repeated, matters. It does matter. Because Nikki Haley being within 15 points of Trump in New Hampshire could be, as Nate Silver wrote this week, her McCain moment. So let's go back in time for a little bit, okay? This is back in 2000. I think uh, Reed Silver's piece on this on his Substack. But George W. Bush was also up around the 50% point nationally. And it was only John McCain's overperformance in New Hampshire by 18 points that shook up that race. It made it interesting if not particularly competitive. Well, my friends, well, my friends, here's a little straight talk for you. What a difference a couple of days makes. Obviously, McCain became a national name, and spoiler alert, Bush won. I don't know if everybody knows that. 
I don't want to spoil it for anybody. If you're just watching on Netflix, the 2000 primary for the Republicans. Now, I know this primary really well because it was the first one that I followed as a youth. I was still in high school. I was becoming obsessed with politics. As many of you know, there uh, were a few big moments that shaped the man that I am today. The first was the Monica Lewinsky scandal and specifically the star report as it was printed in the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel. I brought it to high school and I was reading absolute smut. Just out and out everything that a teenage boy would like to read and had found places to read on the internet. No, no, no. This was not in some slow to load dark corner of the internet. It was printed right in the paper. And when teachers would walk by seeing me read absolute filth, they, to a man and woman, said, you want to know what? Great job, Justin. Great job staying up to date on current events. I was lauded. Oh, I was hooked. The second thing was this primary. And here I will tell you why I got into the John McCain 2000 campaign and I rooted for it. So here's the picture. Uh, John McCain, he doesn't want to have George W. Bush be the nominee. He wants to stay, uh, t- take a step up into national politics. He wants to present himself as a maverick. So you got to do something that breaks out of the norm. And he decides and he is going to have any journalist who wants to, probably within reason, but there were no bloggers then. So there's only X amount of people that were there. You can ride on the bus with him to all his campaign stops. Not in another bus. Not in a part of the bus that John McCain isn't in. He'll just sit there and you can shoot the breeze with him. Now that's going to lead to a lot more coverage than it did, but also led to some very interesting questions. And this is the question that really brought me in to paying attention to that campaign. Whether or not John McCain's then 15-year-old daughter, Megan McCain, if she were to get pregnant, would he forbid her from having an abortion? I'm going to read you John McCain's verbatim quote. No, Mr. McCain said, as reported contemporaneously by the New York Times. I would discuss the issue with Cindy and Megan, and this would be a private discussion we would share within our family. Obviously, I would encourage her to know that the baby would be brought up in a warm, loving family. The final decision would be made by Megan with our advice and counsel. And I think that's such a private matter. Now, even my underdeveloped high school brain knew that pro-life voters drove the Republican Party. And I knew that that was not a gunmetal gray pro-life answer. Felt realistic. Felt nuanced. It felt human. And so, I rooted for the old man. I was excited when he won in New Hampshire. By the way, an adult Meghan McCain eventually did have a baby. 
a real one too, not even a hypothetical one. I remember most one moment from rooting for that campaign. And here's what it was. I was at the Chili's on University Drive in Davie, Florida, when I found out the results of the South Carolina primary that year. This was the big test for John McCain. He loses Iowa. He wins in New Hampshire and wins big. Really scares the W. Bush campaign at that time. South Carolina was going to be the big test. Could he stay close at least or win in a total upset in a state that was far more conservative than New Hampshire? Now, that race in and of itself or that election in and of itself is another podcast. There, there's a lot you can go into. It was marred by a lot of what are universally understood to be dirty tricks, specifically push polls that went out to South Carolinian voters asking, and I'm going to quote this one directly too, would you be more or less likely to vote for John McCain for president if you knew he'd fathered an illegitimate black child? This is in reference to the fact that he had made campaign stops and uh, had you know, in no way hid the fact that he had adopted a daughter from Bangladesh. Pretty dirty. Pretty dirty. Bush won South Carolina by over 10%, forging his path to the nomination. So coming out of that specific example, let's go to a general thought. Here's the iron law of the four early state primaries. Put all your effort into New Hampshire and Iowa, but it's not going to do you any good to win one of those if you can't get two. I mean, unless you're Joe Biden, in that case, you only win South Carolina and then the entire central wing of your party totally collapses into your candidacy and the other progressive candidate stays in the race when it's a total long shot and therefore gives you the opportunity to consolidate power on Super Tuesday. But that's kind of rare and doesn't really happen and probably still would have been fought against if it weren't for the fact that COVID locked everything down. So we're going to use that as an outlier and move on. You got to win, too. At least to go into Super Tuesday with momentum, which brings us back to Nikki. Because let's say that that CBS poll is right. Let's say that she is currently within striking distance of Trump in the Granite State. Here is what the Nikki Haley path would look like. You go to Iowa and you finish within 20 of Trump and you ideally finish second. And then you declare victory. Now that might sound weird. I lost by 20 and uh, I spent a whole lot of money in Iowa and I don't really have a whole lot of delegates to show for it. But remember, Joe Biden once declared victory after getting blown out by 27 points to Bernie in Nevada in 2020, simply because he didn't come in third. So you can do it. You can do it, especially if you know you've got something big coming up. 
the way that Biden did with South Carolina and Nikki would with New Hampshire, because this is going to be a do or die proposition in the live free or die state. Now that means she has to win New Hampshire. You can't come in second there. This has to be a John McCain situation. You have to show to the front runner that if it bleeds, we can kill it. And if that's the case, two things probably need to happen. Number one, Chris Christie, who in that poll is third to Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis has not campaigned a lot in New Hampshire. He's got to drop out. And he probably has to endorse Nikki Haley before that vote happens. Also, the Ron DeSantis campaign has to be so wounded that he is either a non-factor or drops out before New Hampshire. Both of those scenarios aren't crazy. And if that happens, if Nikki is second in Iowa, if she is first in New Hampshire, then let's reset like John McCain in 2020. Because instead of South Carolina being a house of horrors demographically for for McCain as it was back then, Nikki Haley has home field advantage. Obviously, she is not leading there now. But it is far more likely that she does get a boost, especially without a Christie, especially if she gets a Tim Scott endorsement, especially if Ron DeSantis isn't viable by then to make this a contest. And if that happens, if she's able to come in second in Iowa, if she's able to come in first in New Hampshire, Nevada doesn't matter. If she is able, although Nevada will matter if, Trump loses in New Hampshire. We'll get to that in a second. But but that doesn't matter for this specific case because she'll have uh, South Carolina next. If she can win in South Carolina, then you're going to have something that hasn't really existed. A mano, a mano between Trump and a Trump alternative. Somebody that is very well-funded, that's going to be able to stand up a lot of operations in those Super Tuesday states and make this more of a fight. Is she going to win? That would be a historic upset at this point. It would be a massive collapse for Donald Trump to squander a 50-point lead. Remember, something that George W. didn't do, even if he got a little bit of a heart attack, in New Hampshire. Because ultimately, this is just a path. You know, it's a squint and you can kind of see it. Stretches the imagination, hopscotches of ifs, then that's that she would have to do perfectly to make work. There are some tailwinds for her. Again, she's got a lot of money and she'll get more if she shows electoral viability. And 
if Donald Trump on some level is buoyed by the fact that he is beating Joe Biden in swing state polls, well, Nikki Haley, in terms of electoral viability right now via those exact same polls, is great taste, less filling. She's kind of what Ron DeSantis wanted to be. Ron DeSantis initially started this campaign saying, hey, I'm Trump with better electoral viability, and now Trump's polling better than him. But either of them are polling as good as Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley makes independents think twice. Now, let's say Nikki did well. Is there any way she comes out of this process with the nomination and a docile Trump saying, you want to know what, gang, we gave it our best? 100% no. But then again, you'll cross that bridge when you come to it, if you're Haley. For now, maybe it's just a yuletide mirage. But she might have a path, at least to make it interesting. This is your update for uh, this episode. But it's Christmas. It's a Christmas update. And it's brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. You know, we're going to come out of this holiday season pretty hot. We're going to come out of it firing on all cylinders. And you're going to need two bonus episodes of this show each and every week. One on Monday, recapping the Sunday shows. And then one on Thursday, where we give you the latest breaking news. And guys, it's now official. Your boy is booked for the first four states. Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in Des Moines. I'm going to be in Manchester. I'm in Vegas, which, by the way, let me tell you guys this. Vegas, the Nevada primary is on a Thursday night of Super Bowl week. And the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas. This is going to be a freak show. Do you know how many retired, if not current, athletes are going to be on stage at that Trump rally? It's it's going to be insane. Bill Belichick might announce that he is coaching the San Diego Chargers on stage at a Trump rally in February. I'm just preparing all of you for this scenario. And that's something that I would cover on the Patreon. It might fall out of our normal free schedule. This is the season when you want to subscribe. And so, please do head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Two bonus episodes each and every week for only $3 a week. You buy me a cup of coffee. You deserve those episodes. Let's get to your update. 
New information has come to light that will assuredly complicate the uh, the impeachment of Joe Biden for involvement in his family's influence peddling operations. James Biden is now revealed to have been caught on tape by the Federal Bureau of Investigations discussing a new influence firm in 2007 with people who would eventually go to jail for bribing a judge. Richard Dickey Scruggs, a renowned Mississippi trial attorney, nearly achieved a landmark agreement to make tobacco companies pay billions in compensation. His story was the inspiration for The Insider, the movie. However, he faced a significant obstacle, securing approval from a divided Congress. Scruggs identified Senator Joe Biden as a crucial vote and sought assistance from Biden's brother, James, who owned a consulting firm with his wife, Sarah. Scruggs paid the firm $100,000 for advice in 1998, hoping to sway Senator Biden's vote. While Biden did ultimately support the bill, it did fail to pass Congress. The story illustrates the intricate connections between the Biden family and Scruggs. James Biden's business dealings, often overlapping with Joe Biden's public service career, have recently come under scrutiny by congressional Republicans investigating if President Biden assisted his family's business endeavors. This interest expanded beyond Hunter Biden and has now included James and Sarah Biden, leading to subpoenas for their testimony about their firm, Lion Hall. Lion Hall is the one that put together that deal for Joe Biden to know the facts about the tobacco settlement. But the call that got James Biden caught up was James talking with other people that he didn't know were about to be arrested and indicted by federal authorities about setting up another influence company. Now, those people were arrested The Bidens were never charged with anything. They have not done anything illegal. But if you are James Comer and the Oversight Committee, and what you want to do is demonstrate a pattern of something that you feel is the Biden family enriching themselves based on the access to Joe Biden from a Senate vote to the vice presidency to the presidency then this is something else that will be brought up. Do I think that it is a smoking gun for Joe Biden acting on this kind of stuff? No. But ultimately, what I do think about this impeachment uh, situation is that the, the reality is not whether or not you can prove that money went in Joe Biden's bank account and then Joe Biden did a thing. The point is that nobody in the Biden family thinks that this is strange. They think selling themselves as access to power is just what you do. And I don't think that they are out of step with a lot of Washington. It is an influence peddling town. Nobody inside the districts is building widgets, you know, (laughs) or, 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 or developing software. Nobody's mining ore in the district. What they are doing is selling influence. Now, do the American people believe that is weird? Is it a political liability to have that out there? That is the more interesting question from my perspective. 
Let's take a look at the ongoing situation in Gaza and how it is affecting a big, big Senate race for 2024. Representative Katie Porter has now diverged from her previous alignment with the Biden administration and is calling for a lasting bilateral ceasefire in the conflict between Israel and Hamas. She advocates for the U.S. to facilitate conditions conducive to a ceasefire, including the release of hostages from the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel and ending Hamas's control of Gaza and ensuring Israel's security. The term ceasefire, of course, has become contentious, with Palestinians and their supporters urging an immediate halt to Israel's military actions following the October attack. The Biden administration, while supporting Israel, has refrained from using the word ceasefire. President Biden, however, has expressed concern for the civilian casualty toll in Gaza. This issue now permeating the California Senate race with top Democratic candidates navigating party divisions on the matter. So you have Katie Porter, who has stood with the Biden administration, is now calling for a lasting bilateral ceasefire, which is a nice thing to ask for. But I think it will have about as much utility as me asking for lasting abdominal firmness after I have eaten like Joey Chestnut for the last three weeks and plan to continue doing it for another two. Still. It's a nice thought to ask everybody on both sides to be nice. Maybe in in light of the holiday spirit, something will happen. On the other side, you have Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff has been unwavering, standing with the Biden administration. And then on the other side of that, you've got Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee has been unrepentant that this is a situation for which the United States should call for an absolute ceasefire of the IDF, into Gaza. We don't know how this situation will play out politically in the next year, right? Because we're looking at less than a year to get to the general election. But remember, this California primary is before that. Will this continue to be a lingering issue then on the Democratic side? Because despite the fact that this is an open primary in California, you got three heavyweight Democratic candidates that in all likelihood will make this a Democrat versus Democrat final in the November general election. We don't know. The fact that Porter changed her tune is interesting. Although I don't quite know exactly what a lasting bilateral ceasefire means. Like, we're going to, I mean, like Hamas and Israel aren't even talking to each other. They have to talk through the Qataris. Anyway, takepoliticsseriously.com, where you need to go to get those bonus episodes. And look, support me while I'm on the road. There's there's a portion of our our political calendar where it's it's nice to be me. I get to continue to talk about politics and and the money comes in and I can invest it in, you know, various different equipment. But 
this ain't one of them years. <laughs> this is the year where I spend a lot of money because I got to go and do something that is universally stupid. Everybody else on the trail, everybody else who is going to be in the same press pens that I'm going to be in, they all have a company credit card. I don't have a company credit card. I got you. I mean, that's metaphorical. I do have a company credit card, but I, I don't have anyone to that'll pay it for me. I don't have a corporate daddy that pays my credit card. I do have your support and I am tremendously grateful for it. So if you think that it's worth it, head on over there. Take politics seriously.com. As we are recording this Tuesday afternoon, both the House and Senate have returned to their home districts so they can celebrate the holidays and not much of a record on doing anything because even the long shot stuff that they were trying to get done, at least in the Senate, by the end of this week will now not happen. Joining me is Matt Laszlo, Raw Story, and so many more outlets, but somebody who definitely puts in the shoe leather through the halls of Congress. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. I've got to correct you a so, little bit. Senate's still in, okay. but Senate's not doing anything. So, yeah. Okay. Senate, Senate has, yeah, <laughs> Senate has said there will be no vote. There was going to be a vote today, but that was a threat of a vote. Now there's no vote. So they're technically on, they're like, still there. They're voting on confirmations and stuff. And I think. Gotcha. I think only 60, maybe 65 senators even showed up. <laughs> At least, yeah. So. They ain't working. So not technically, working. Yeah. so not technically, but seriously, that is, that is uh, the, the intro, the intro was largely correct, but not technically correct. Yeah. So, so let's, let's start here. What is the state of this grand bargain that initially comes from the white house? Cause I think it's going to be an easier way to get funding for Ukraine by tying things that other people in Congress might find more interesting like Israel and the border and Taiwan uh, and now seems to have become more complicated than if you tried to take up or down votes on all of those issues singularly. I'm a terrible human being because you gave me homework when we were chatting offline and I was finishing my homework. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Did you say words just there? I did. I did. I did. And that, that'll be, that'll be a precursor. Cause I have asked, I have asked Matt, I have asked what, uh, what is, what is top five moments that he was a part of uh, during this year, the year 2023 in Congress, which was notable for many things. So stay to the end of this interview so you can get that because you know, it was good stuff because he didn't even listen to my question. No, it's actually going to be, good there we shit. go. It's there right now. So let's, let's, let's start here though. Where are we at with this? border Ukraine, Israel, mega deal. So the big sticking point right now seems to be the immigration portion of it because, duh, like Congress hasn't been able to reform immigration in decades. And they're going to do it in like yes. the last three days of a divided Congress. <laughs> uh, no, like it was never going to happen and it ain't happening. Well, we'll see. Start of the new year. It might happen, but you're already hearing a lot of progressives um, upset by it. And then, so yeah, it'll be interesting because Biden is definitely going to be pulled in numerous different directions. And many Democrats right now are like, why the heck did you link immigration and border 
to Ukraine. Yeah. Like, do you hate our friends in Ukraine <laughs> and our friends in well, Israel? It, it, it seemed like it seemed like initially that was looked at by the White House as sugar that they were going to say, oh, OK, well, we'll do some stuff on the border. Their initial pitch looked a lot more like, hey, let's give a bunch of money to our blue states and cities whose governors yeah. and mayors are complaining that they need more money because there's too many migrants coming in. And so the Republicans obviously seized on that, said, OK, this is a deal we can make. If we get something, we can give something because Ukraine is less popular. But now I, I don't know it. it to me, it seems like a gigantic rake that the Biden administration, which of all the things that you can say about the Biden administration, President Joe Biden is a creature of the Senate. This was this is supposed to be, you know, he, he's the LBJ guy, the guy who knows how to twist every every wrist to make things happen. And this seems like an own goal uh, up till now, because now he's got the congressional uh, a progressive caucus. He's got the Hispanic caucus that are very upset that they're not at the table negotiating. Yes, yeah. it's wild. And on one level, Biden seems very out of touch with Congress in the Capitol. And I'm curious, like during the Obama administration, well, let me put it this way. During the Bush administration, Dick Cheney, every Tuesday, uh, the Senate has what are called policy lunches. Every Tuesday, You'd have the nuclear football and a big entourage uh, walking through yep. the Capitol because Cheney, most times he would just sit there and listen to what Senate Republicans were saying. Obviously, he would take uh, messages back to the president, but a lot of times he was yeah. just listening so that they could you know, be in tune. When Obama was president for eight years, Joe Biden only came to the Capitol a couple times that I can remember. And so you saw that stark difference between the two parties. Then when Mike Pence was vice president under Trump, you know, he's a former House guy. So, yeah, Paul Ryan opened up a room on the House side of the Capitol for him so that he had an office there. Uh, the vice president's always president of the Senate. Um, so they have a permanent yeah. office there. And so Kamala Harris, yeah, she set the record this year for um the most tie, most tie break votes in history. Ties broken. Ties yeah. broken there. Thank you for saying it correctly. She's got the record now for most ties broken uh, for a VP in history. But when she comes in for those votes, she comes in, casts them, and then usually she's gone fairly quickly. You know, she's not. And that's it. She's not really getting a sense of the members and like. Today's members are crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the Senate, you have this academic idea called the Houseification of the Senate, um, which okay. was on display with uh, Senator Mullen, you know, uh, threatening to jack up the uh, union boss, you know. Exactly. So yeah. so that's a House guy now in the Senate, and he hasn't learned to be austere. And so, um, yeah, it's just interesting dynamics. And with everyone so in attuned to what's happening online and digitally and like not necessarily i don't think biden gets it like there's not this one democratic base like schumer's got his base you know um border uh you know border democrats they have their base and so there's just yeah i don't We'll see what happens. One good signal for people who want something to pass is that 
Republicans yeah. finally feel like they're being taken a little more seriously because you have Secretary Mayorkas, who they're trying to impeach over in the House, but he's finally like sitting at the table, come into the Capitol for these meetings. So we'll see. No one's expecting anything to happen here, but I think when they get back after their holiday recess in January, it's like two weeks before the government shuts down. Um, how late, why they agreed to that is insane. And then there's like another potential government shutdown, the other half, a few weeks later, like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's staggered based on the stuff that they're going to need to, uh, that they're going to need to pass, which kind of feels like yet another time that they're going to kick the can down the road, but we will cross that bridge when we come to it. it. It makes sense that there's a disconnect between the white house and the Senate. And I, I, I you got to wonder after those first two years where the Biden administration did get a lot done. They had to fight hard for it and they didn't get everything that they wanted, but they've got stuff that right now that they're putting together their 2024 campaign, it's infrastructure. It's the chips bill. It's stuff that they actually got done. It's, you know, I don't know if if they're going to run on, on the bipartisan gun stuff, but they got a bipartisan gun bill through uh, uh, at a time where that seemed impossible. Uh, Now, granted that's with a democratic controlled house. That's with Nancy Pelosi at the helm there, which say what you will about Nancy Pelosi. She had more of a reign on things than we have seen. Obviously, the now as it is breaking uh, 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 retired as of December 31st, uh, Kevin McCarthy or Mike Johnson, the current speaker. So here, this Congress, looking this up, I have a tab open, one of my Excel sheets. Yeah. This Congress, as of right now, they have passed, or there's 22 new laws throughout all of 2023. Mm-hmm. 22 new laws. One of them is a new 250th year anniversary commemorative coin for the Marine Corps. One is like renaming okay. collectors, mark it down. Of them are like renaming uh, VA hospitals. Like this Congress is going down as one of the worst in history. Like, what did they do? They didn't default. Like, good job, guys. You did yeah. not have America default on our national day. Didn't default. They didn't shut the uh, government down. Instead, they shut Congress down for three weeks, which, yeah. hell, I didn't even know that was possible. Um, good on you, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's just not much they can hang their hats on, which is why the 2024 election is going to be... Oh, God, I just got so tired thinking about it. It's going to be 2016 all over again for members of Congress. They're going to be running on, uh, you know, if you're a Democrat, you're going to be running on the 117th Congress's record. If you're Biden, you're running on the 117th Congress's record. Like 118th Congress, very much a placeholder. Kind of just a thing that maybe happened, right? You know, I guess the, the the people that were in control of it succeeded in getting rid of a speaker that they hated so they could learn to hate another speaker, which seems to be the case now. As Mike Johnson has slowly realized when you actually have the wheel of power, it's a lot harder to drive in a, a, a stunt fashion like the people who really want you to hit the gas uh, uh, demand of Don't you. Forget. 
Like, and he's going to have to make these deals. He's going to have to make these deals. No, he he's going to have to kick the can down the road no, again. He he's got the Holy Spirit on his side. <laughs> well, you well, know, we don't have through God, all things are possible. But I don't know if passing all those bills are going to be uh, uh, among them. No, no, uh, no, no, uh, a diss to the man upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, tell that Speaker Johnson because he thinks his Lord, not your Lord, not my Lord, not anyone else. Lord, not, his Lord. Well, he might, he might have a more elite Lord. I don't know. I haven't seen them. We haven't matched up in a Pokemon style to see whether or not uh, he did. He manifested himself into in, in, into speaker. And and the reason why I said on this show that he became the speaker is because he was the only man in the house that didn't have more than five enemies. It sure didn't take him long to find him. Now, uh, you know, he's got he's swimming in enemies. But but if you even look at that coalition that ousted Speaker uh, uh, McCarthy, none of them are really doing great things since. None of them really got anything that they wanted to get done done. Here's the thing. One of those eight is the new uh, chair of the House Freedom Caucus. So that far right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us tell us about yeah. Tell us about that, because that that was another big fight. That happened over the last few days. The Freedom Caucus has already been uh, uh, ripped apart. And I know a lot of people don't follow conservative politics really, really closely. And so you just say Freedom Caucus and a lot of names come out up to and including Marjorie Taylor Greene. But what you might not know is she's been kicked out of the Freedom Caucus. It has been shredded multiple times for multiple different reasons. Fights over McCarthy was certainly one of them. So now who is the leader going into this next year? New Virginia Republican uh, Bob Good. He used to work at Liberty University, so he—that's the Jerry mm-hmm. Falwell spot. So he's very far yep. to the right. He's interesting because he opposes uh, former President Donald Trump, and I think he's back in DeSantis. Okay. Yeah, and so that was why some members of the Freedom Caucus and like Freedom Caucus is basically. Like uh, the new version of the Tea Party uh, that was around the in Tea Party. So, by the way, co-founded by Ron DeSantis, that exactly. in the house. Well, and so it's interesting because people like these very conservative members were like, "Well, the very, very conservative, conservative, like the far right folks, they're totally aligned with Trump on everything." So they're like, "Why do we want to be led by this anti-Trump guy?" But yeah, it was able to placate him, et cetera. It's interesting because I was pressing him on uh, last week when they were around. I was pressing him on. All right. What are you going to do differently? Is there going to be any tactical changes? And he was kind of looking at me like, what? Why? Like, We've been doing good so far. And I'm like, oh, OK, I guess we do different math because for them, they succeeded. Yeah. Those eight, they got rid of Kevin McCarthy. Um It'll be intriguing because I guess today McCarthy officially resigned. So he's no longer in Congress. Well, yeah, he was he yeah, he he is not expected back and he's in his his resignation is postdated for the end of the year. No, so, so it kicked so he in is today. All but officially well, resigned. Well, so it kicked in today. So Kevin McCarthy out of Congress, okay. he can God. sign yeah. his contract for uh whatever lobbying firm or law shop is going to give him seven figures. I'll tell I I hope, I hope, I hope he opens a CrossFit gym and smokes weed. Like the two former speakers (laughs) that got run out. I think, 
Him and Boehner and uh, uh, Paul Ryan. Boehner tells me he doesn't smoke weed. Yeah, He's just on the say board that. You got to say that. You got to say that. You're talking That's to me. Fine. I grow my fucking weed. Uh, Boehner. <laughs> Boehner, come you on. You me a cigarette in the past. I'll bum you a joint whenever you need. If you ain't, you oughta. If you ain't, you oughta. So, at the start of the new year, McCarthy is what? In the House, they had three votes to spare. Well, McCarthy's gone now, so yeah. now it's down to two. This Ohio Republican, mm-hmm. Bill Johnson, I believe, he's retiring somewhere between January and when he starts as a college president on, like, mid, mid-March. mid So it'll be interesting, especially if he leaves earlier to start his presidency of some school in Ohio. Um, and you're only going to have one vote that Speaker Johnson can um, yeah. uh, afford to lose. Like the razor thin margins are getting even more razor thin. Not exactly, not exactly a comfortable majority. I would not but, expect much to get done make, in the House year. members like senators. Because the power yeah. of the Senate is each 100 of them, you know, they represent us so they can, you know, filibuster, they can gum everything up. Well, if you've only got one vote yeah. spare and you're the speaker in the House. Everybody, everybody's the most yeah. important person in Everyone. the House. And you're almost a fool uh, to well, not I- make your demands known. Well, how could that possibly go wrong? We'll find out in 2024. Let's get to this because I know you are somebody that is uh, uh, very much, you got you got your face in the buzzsaw of all the news that happens in 2023 as we draw to a close. Say what you will about its inactivity, but the Congress was certainly newsworthy from the very moment that the year began. And so, what distracted you at the beginning of this interview, your top five moments that you yourself witnessed in Congress this year? Where, where are we going to start? Well, I'll start with, you know, someone who is missed, Senator Dianne Feinstein. You know, she died this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yep. at the start of the year, she was a sitting U.S. senator. And according yep. to what we know, her mind was gone. Like numerous times I had asked her yeah. about her own bills and she did not know her own bills. And so I think we all need to take a step back from like the real world of the beltway and say this town, like the, the, the circus, was, the circus weekend yeah. at Bernie for years. Um, there was a story that Washington, or no, it was um, maybe States newsroom. Politico ran a story a few years ago about the pharmacy in the Capitol. So there's a pharmacist for the Capitol. And he says in the story that he is given out or he regularly uh, writes prescriptions for Alzheimer's medication for members of Congress. Yeah. Like that's terrifying. Um, So, yeah, that's crazy. Number one, the fact that she was even allowed to be rolled around. And ever yeah. hand held up for. Let, 
Let, let me let me let me ask you this: as somebody that was, uh, you know, who's, who's in in the mix there, this was an open secret, obviously, not only throughout Capitol Hill but also through the press. What 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 blew my mind was we saw very obviously Democratic sourced hit pieces on Diane Feinstein because the unnamed sources came from conversations between Chuck Schumer and Diane Feinstein. And you can only imagine that that's either from Feinstein's staff or Schumer's staff. If, if, if that's where you're getting that story, those have been rolling out for yeah. a year. Politico had a story essentially laying out that this was only happening because Nancy Pelosi's daughter and the Pelosi machine wanted to keep Feinstein there to try to make sure that the, Democratic primary for Senate wasn't starting off too early and would have knocked out their preferred candidate, Adam Schiff. Uh, and then toward the end, you get another story that comes out that says Diane Feinstein's family is already suing each other for Diane's property. And she, a lawyer, Feinstein, is not involved. So they were already treating when it came to issues of money. They were treating her like dead and she was not involved in any way. Obviously this happens periodically when somebody gets so old or so infirmed in the Senate, but I don't know if anything's going to change year around this time because they were doing the national defense authorization act. And, you know, for that bill, they'll do what's called Votorama. So they have to, you know, because there's a thousand yeah. amendments that pop up, so the senators have to vote through the entire night. Well, so I rolled back to the Senate on Sunday morning at like 9, 10 a.m. Feinstein's being walked off the Senate floor by Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. And uh, mm-hmm. Feinstein's looking for her puppy. And Warren goes... Oh, your puppy's back in your office. We're going to take you there. Uh, puppy needed a nap, just like you needed a nap. Um, and so, and that audio oh. is out there. I think, look it up, or it's either for Raw Story or at one yeah. of my, my Patreon or askapoll.com. But hearing that, it's just it's so sad. It's sad. Just yeah. heartbreaking. Just heartbreaking. Yeah, it's that one's oof, okay. All right, so you started off on right? a melancholy note. Bring us up from here. All right, the frailty of human life and our inability to 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 release our hands from power are pretty bleak nihilistic subjects. Give me something oh, silly. Well, so I was gonna go with Lauren Bobert and Beetlejuice, but I'll just make this more broad. You know, sexual okay. encounters of okay. the congressional kind. Because oh my god, the well, sex in that hearing room you you got for one all my friends who don't give a yes. shit about politics <laughs> Sir, <laughs> do you my everyone's sending that to me do you know this guy i'm like no i don't know people from their backside <laughs> please 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 reset this story this story broke over the weekend uh it is i mean one of the most brazen we've seen sexual stories come out of Congress and, and to Lauren Boebert's example, she is at yep. a theater. She seemingly, I'm I'm just going to say as an observer, uh, she seemed drunk and happy with, yeah, with, with, with a date and in a pitch black theater, they got handsy. And we know because there was a 
infrared camera that can see in the dark. And I guess it's right? like a play of Beetlejuice. Uh, so she's like cracking out. Beetlejuice, the musical, the yeah, the broad, yeah, the the Broadway, the Broadway production of so Beetlejuice. Like no one else now, in the audience is moving. That is, and she's like, Ooh. it's amazing. It's amazing. Yes, <laughs> it is good footage. It is not posted by them on social media like what happened over this weekend, where an aide to Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland. <laughs> went with a boyfriend and took pictures and videos of them having sex in the Senate hearing room where Supreme court justices yep. are confirmed. Uh, this is, Man, like, I mean, I, I, I like, this is beyond, I mean, like th- this is like some stuff that you used to read about Ted Kennedy, right? Like this is like stuff that you used to read about, like, like an age gone by of that, like mad men for martini lunch. And then your, your, your secretary becomes your fourth wife kind of stuff that, that that's, that's that level of uh, a, a skeezy intrigue. Uh, what was the reaction on Capitol Hill to that? Yeah, story? I think like a collective. Oh, guys we're now in the internet age but don't do that i think that's everyone's like like even fox as much as they want to dunk 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 on them fox can't even like show the video (laughs) well what i mean what are you gonna do it's raw pornography it's raw gay pornography that was posted willingly by the people on the internet like they took pictures and sent it to a group chat where uh uh I mean look I'm gonna do, do my best do to that, read the to to read to read the quote from the uh from their Instagram story because I have it up here for another show that I'm gonna talk about this. Uh in this very room, Cola, just in case you were wondering whether or not they were fully aware of exactly what was happening. In this very room, Sonia Sotomayor had her confirmation hearing. James Comey testified on Russian interference in the 2016 elections. And this is a picture of a, uh, the staffer naked, save for some, uh, a bit of a strappy number that he had on, uh, uh, Aiden got a thick German sausage and a Jaeger sauce finish. Cause apparently the man he was in there with was a German national. Uh, and then that was posted on Instagram and shared with friends like this is this is beyond the wide stance this is beyond i mean i can't think of a sex scandal that starts with somebody bragging well, about it he's now lawyering up to there's talk of people leaking it like he was on a private group chat and then with other staffers stop it stop it there is no such Amen. thing as a private group again, chat. everyone repeat after us there's no such thing as a private group. No, no. You can be mad at your friends. You can be, you can, you can not talk to those friends again. Yeah. That's fully okay. If we're going to be the online ethicist, you can say, I'm furious with anybody who leaked this. You ruined my life. Fair game to do that. It is not fair game. There's no legal binding element of you. You're not allowed to leak things out of a group chat. I'm sorry. So back to the list. Now, number three, I find it pretty remarkable yeah. that MTG or 
Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene was actually booted mm-hmm. off of the Freedom Caucus uh, this year. Out of the Freedom wild. Caucus, yeah. She, I guess, Bobert, Lauren Bobert, the congresswoman from uh, Colorado, who we were just talking about, I guess she dropped an impeachment resolution against Biden or something after she already had hers, or maybe it was Mayorkas, the head of the border. It was it was Mayorkas. It was Mayorkas versus Biden that initially MTG wanted to impeach Biden, and then they thought that they oh, no, agreed no. that they MTG, would go for Mayorkas. And MTG then had Bobert, an impeachment week. She wants to impeach the entire cabinet. She every day she everybody, a new person. Everybody, she wants to impeach. Yeah. Um, but MTG yeah. then called Bobert, you little bitch, or something on the House floor. And that was a step too far for the Matt Gateses of the world, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. And they had already gotten into a mean girl fight. If, if memory serves during the speaker confirmation, because. Which, well, I mean, I think that that's, that's fascinating because, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's point, as I understood it was, Hey, Lauren, Kevin McCarthy raised money yeah. for you. Kevin McCarthy put money into your campaign. You're the one who barely won by dozens of votes. You are not in a position to say that you were not benefited, that you do not belong on this team. You need to get in line because you're not a particularly productive member at this moment. Obviously that didn't go over super well. And and now we are in this situation, but yeah, you know, I, I read Newt Gingrich's book this year which was about him building the the first Republican majority in decades and decades. It's also an unsolicited piece of advice to everybody in the house this year. Cause he wrote it very recently and have, he, he periodically takes times to comment to people that are in the modern uh, Congress. But one of his points was, look, Congress is a truck stop and the Senate is a country club. So understand that at this truck stop, things are going to get a little bit wild. You hopefully have about 30 people that you can deal with. You have 15 people that are really, really challenging. And you got about 10 people that are absolutely impossible. And and the last thing you want to do is, is try to run into that math problem over and over and over again, where I look at the Republican caucus is that guys, you're in a situation where, the country kind of agrees with you on a lot of stuff that they thought was crazy. Like five years ago, if you, the reason why Biden is going to cave and make a deal on the border isn't just because he really, really wants money for Ukraine. Although I do think that, that he is, but he's going to make, he's going to cave and make the deal that he makes because it's good politics. Because if you look at the numbers, you now have a majority of Democrats that aren't just for border restrictions. They're for deportations. That was something that was anathema to the liberal wing of our, our, our uh, American psyche a few years ago, especially during Trump. So if, if they want wins, if they want to do something, you gotta do something. Even if it's not the whole loaf, if you're getting a few pieces of bread, then at the very least you can say we're the first people to do that. Cause on the border, you would be back to MTG. The interesting thing is she actually, kind of on behalf of the far right wing of the party, she had McCarthy by the gonads the entire time. Like when he was yep. on his way out, she told me in a piece for raw story, she's like stripping 
money from Ukraine from the national defense bill, which passed Ukraine money hasn't. She's like, that was me. Uh, Then she's like, she's went down the list. Like she was able to control him because she controlled a block Um, with speaker Johnson. You can kind of tell MTG hasn't had private meetings with him. Doesn't have him by the gonads. So she's been voting against him and stuff. And They've had to take bills off the floor. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes yeah. back because he's got a rock and another rock uh, to turn to. Yeah. Which rock? I think we're going to see some of those rocks sparking. Um, I number, I would think so. All right. Two, what else we got? Senator Robert Menendez. Okay. And so like George Santos didn't make Ooh. the list because we we knew that you know we already knew he's an imposter yeah. etc now mr senator menendez what did i tweet out the other day i'm like oh i wonder if this time of year, or i bet this time of year senator menendez really misses his gold bars uh poor guy him like poor guy man i'll i'll tell you what piles of cash gold bars uh, black fancy Mercedes Benz allegedly all given to him by uh foreign national proxies and of the Egyptian government, yeah. The chair of the foreign relations committee, uh, not good looks, which actually gives my biggest tip of the hat no. for the year to uh Senator Fetterman from Pennsylvania, a Democrat like Menendez. But Fetterman's like, wait. They kicked out Santos over in the House. How dare we still have Menendez working next yeah. to us over here in the Senate? Disagreeable position, you know, because everyone deserves their day in court or whatever. But Fetterman's saying what a lot of people are thinking. You know, Fetterman has been the biggest wild card uh, uh, that I have seen in, in the Senate in a very, very long time. Uh, uh, you know, he comes in and he's sort of anointed as sort of, you know, prequel Bernie. He is this progressive scion. He defeats the the uh, uh, empty headed Dr. Oz by way of his own mythology. He obviously has this health problem that then doubles down and turns into something that like I, I actually thought was sort of undercovered or at least under discussed in, in, in the commentariat class, because normally people don't just go to a inpatient hospital for depression. You know, normally politicians, even if they have an episode, they have a reason it's, you know, they're visiting their aunt somewhere. And that's the reason why they're going to go out to the country and get some fresh air so they can calm down and maybe get some treatment. But the, the fact that he went to Walter Reed and he stayed there for over a month was, was wild bananas to me. He comes out And now not only does he go as hard as he has gone against Bob Menendez, but he is about as strident of a pro-Israel voice in a time where that is increasingly uh, 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 unpopular in his progressive flank. Say what you will about John Fetterman. And I've said a lot, mostly because I've I've you know, it's been a hard thing to watch at times with him uh, health wise. But. He marches Preach. to the beat of his own drum. Uh, uh, I, I don't think that there's any way that you could say anything exactly. other than that. Exactly. 
And I was like, like those are so in a hyperpartisan Congress. I say like the most interesting stories are yeah. either Republican on Republican violence or Democrat on Democrat violence. Yes. Or there's people who just stand out every once in a while, and you're like, wait, everyone's flowing this way. Why is that one person walking this way? You know. Are we like sheep? I'm yeah, uh, pretty, pretty so crazy. My number one, <laughs> All right, number one is when I hot. found the motion to vacate. So the motion to kick Speaker McCarthy out, I found it in the King men's room uh, two weeks before he actually <laughs> got booted. Um, and it was Matt Gates's motion to vacate that he just. Left in the men's room, I suppose, um, because okay, so, yeah. And so you found it. And you it found the motion the to vacate view. that was that would eventually wind up be executed. Yeah, it's on. So it it makes national news. It eventually upends the entire Congress, brings upon a uh, speaker, Mike Johnson, who nobody was really yeah. sure was alive before he became the most powerful man in the House. Uh, do you think? It was accidentally left. Is it on purpose left? Was it there to kick up some dust? Because Matt well, Gates does thing. love attention. So that story. So like I have my own wire service where a lot of my clients, I'm just selling them raw interviews. Um, and so that yeah. story has never been told accurately because the client that like ran with it never really talked to me. Um, yeah. And so when I went in there, there were two copies of the motion to vacate. And so, okay, you know, I'm leaving the men's room and I. I where, where, where in, so, where in the bathroom is it? Is it in a stall? So is it like, on the sink? Where is it? you first walk into this men's room on the first floor of the Capitol on the house side, you first walk in and there's like uh, a wall there. And so to the right, there's like a. Kind of looks like a baby washing, like baby diaper changing thing, in, except it's baby horrible. changing thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so wash your baby's okay. head if you change them there. But I guess it's for people to, like leave their books or materials on. Um, and so when I'm coming sure, out, yeah, like yeah, I have yeah. a rule of the Capitol: if you see anything on the ground, pick it up. Uh, it might be classified material. It might be newsworthy, etc. I broke news numerous times that yeah. way. Um, and so I'm leaving the bathroom and I go, oh, that's gotta be pretty gross to touch those. But then I'm like, no, nah, stick with your rule. So I open them up. And initially when I open them up, I'm like, oh, you know, cause I'm not chasing the news of the day. I'm a feature writer. I'm like looking for interesting stories yeah. to tell. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I'm like, oh. I guess Politico and all them have this because now they're just floating around in the men's room. So literally I take one copy. Gotcha. Then I, um, you know, take a picture of it. And then I um, put the other one down. Cause I'm like, Oh shit, this is a motion to vacate. I have to like show where I found it. And like, Oh, it's over here. So then I totally like, yes. like every rule in journalism. Cause you can't like doctor the scene and like do a setup. But I'm just like, no oh, shit. I got to like, put yeah. this on. people are like, what is that strange cup of coffee? It was my cup of coffee. <laughs> in the picture. Well, yeah. And I'm yeah. curious because I never uh, put the two documents side by side. 
So there could have been differences in language between the two. Oh, so the, these were two drafts I, that they I'm were possibly sure it was going the back same and draft forth that. Yeah, and so just it two times. looked like that to me, but it could have been copies. different. I just and then I left the other one there. I still have the other one here at home because it's history. But yeah, yeah. So you're, sure. you're in your audience. Yeah, absolutely. The first time that's audience, happened in a very first, long time. Just to get that so, so, details. This is the first time, the first time that we know that you were, uh, 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 although a diligent journalist, but a gross human being to pick these pieces of paper off the bathroom floor. Uh, uh, also, we could know that this plan was indeed in motion when you're, when you're reporting on that, or, or did you report on that? Did you, because you're not a daily beat news kind of thing. Viral times 50. I didn't even have to report on it. So, so, so you, you just put it on, you just put it on Twitter and that's it. I wanted to, it just got a life of its own. And then people are texting me later in the week being like, Hey, your tweets on the view. And I'm like, at all. (laughs) If there's a punitive for bathroom (laughs) reporting, I'm your guy. There's not. I'll tell you what, I can't think of a better. I can't think of a better place to end it than that. Uh, Everybody, please go ahead and check out Matt Laszlo's writing, Raw Story, and so many other places. Where can folks find you online? Where apparently you break Uh, your biggest stories. The X or the tweets, um, at Matt Laszlo, and then most every other site, Instagram, all those, at Matt Laszlo. Find me if you ever want to chat or have something for me to sniff around at. DMs are open just like my heart there we go oh you want to know what a great message for the holiday season (laughs) matt thank you so much for joining us appreciate you Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show in Austin, Texas. If you want to thank Mr. Matthew Laszlo for coming on the show, giving us the latest from the halls of Congress, you can do so by heading on over to letter P, or sorry, letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. That is PX3, guest.com. You want to email me, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You can find the show and our clips on Twitter, PX3Tweets. You can find me on Twitter, Justin R. Young. I'm live on the internet, on Twitch, just talking to the people. That is at px3live.com. And you can share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy, px3podcast.com. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm on the road. I'm on the road. and. I do not have anybody. I don't have advertisers. I got you, babe. And so I I want to let everybody know that you can make a one-time donation to me on varying different platforms. PayPal is paypal.me slash pay jury. But I want to shout out some folks who have answered the call over the last few days and just sent me money on Venmo. Justin-Young-20, Peter, thank you, Carl, thank you, Justin, thank you, Amy, thank you, and Dave, big Dave, and and I have made a commitment that I am going to put Venmo money 
explicitly toward bar tabs. You guys know I love talking to bartenders on the road. I think they see a lot, especially in places like Iowa and New Hampshire. They got a sense of things. We're spending that money. We're spending that money. And and Dave gave us a little chunk of change. That'll spread. That'll spread. Look, Des Moines and, and Manchester are not exactly super high cost of living areas. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make the, we're gonna make things happen. Cash app, if that is more your speed, is PX3 Cash. And if you'd like to send me anything in the mail, up to and including just hard currency or checks, you can do so. P.O. Box. 153184 Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you can always get our bonus content at takepoliticsseriously.com. Our $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week, covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the podcast, like these five folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Including ye old pinball shop. John, DP4, Bongo, Sam, John, Edwin, Kathy, Mac, and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Brian, Edison, Jeremy, a dog named Checker, Sarah Jeannie, Matthew, Dr. G, Neil, his nerdiness, Charles, Darren, Idris Arslanian, Berkeley, Stephen, Nomadic Terran, Molly's delightful demeanor, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Brad, D-Laser, Nick Wood, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Gen D, really? Chopper, Andrew, Adam, L, my mother, Gloria, Neemeister, J, and Devon, C-F-P. You want to join them? I don't know if to take politics seriously. Get your name on this 2020 Four editions. This is when the news happens. Oh, we have no new Friday episode for you, but we are going to uh, put together a uh, special rendition of uh, a little Christmas cheer for you. So uh, stay tuned for that. That'll come out on Friday as we move into the actual season. And then we will be back next week. We're going we're gonna to try and do uh, our yearly, our annual Kevin Ryan walk through the news. Each month's biggest story as we uh, gaze upon the year that was. But that will be next week. Till then, your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics, but this... This is the only show that dares did us. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.